Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are things? Things are great. Um, Did you enjoy the games? Yeah, three great games, or three great days of games. I enjoyed the National Championship immensely. And one little side note, just to tell this audience, Coach Cower gets in the Hall of Fame. I'm pretty sure Troy Polamalu's getting in the Hall of Fame. I think Fanica's got a shot. And Donnie Shell has a shot, which basically, why does anyone care about that? Why are you talking about Steelers-Williamson? Well, that pretty much means that the Steelers are going to play in the Hall of Fame game, and they're going to report to camp early, and there goes my summer vacation that was planned. So, congrats, Bill. <laughs> so, are you headed to Canton as well? I think so. I think we'll be doing radio from there and reporting to camp early, and there's actually a chance that Hard Knocks will be at camp this year, so... Uh, it's a lot of congrats to all those Steelers, but bad news for my summer and family plans. <laughs> well, it's it's good to talk about Canton, though. That's a good little segue because last summer in Canton, I met our guest in person, Scott Connor. Wow. Scott is one of the newest writers uh, with me over at DLF. Scott also is the host of the Dynasty and Chill podcast, which I've been binging lately, catching up on that. Scott, how are you doing, my man? I am doing awesome. Uh, thanks for having me again on the show. And I, I, to be honest with you, uh, that already looking forward to next summer's preseason is a little bit daunting. This is actually the most exciting time <laughs> to me in, in Dynasty, especially like this next three or four months uh, to me is absolutely the, the most exciting of the year. I mean, games are great. Setting lineups are great. Matchups are great. But to me, this is where it's at. This is why I play Dynasty. So glad to be here. Yeah, I would agree with you there, and I feel like I feel like all really successful dynasty owners kind of have a process that they go through this time of year, and, and it's probably different for everybody. What does it look like for you? What are you doing? Uh, how are you? What are you doing with your teams? Are you making moves? Are you? Uh, how are you analyzing your teams? Uh, just just what is what does this first few weeks of the year look like when it comes to your dynasty leagues? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of owners are are struggling with that. And and what I've seen that, that I don't do is, you know, in a lot of my leagues and a lot of my group chats, uh, even in a lot of email exchanges, I've seen people out there already trying to make trades. And a lot of times, you know, the trades, yeah, we're going to talk a little later about buys and sells. But I mean, a lot of the trades are based on uh, recency bias, and they're based on information that we just saw happen. And you know, to me, I try to look outside of that, and I try to look at my rosters more from a uh, an overall strength and weakness standpoint, and, and then start to look at, at moves that I can make a little bit later on in the offseason. So I'm not somebody that's out there trying to trade right now. Uh, really, I, I tried to set this up before the end of the regular season is to go through, I did a couple podcasts on this, uh, to go through and essentially set up all of my teams to where all my rosters are full, and I'm dropping a lot of the players that I don't want to go into the offseason with. So especially Superflex Leagues, I was really big on, you know, I don't want to hold, you know, the Matt Moores and the Chase Daniels, you know, those type of players into the offseason because they really have zero chance of having any value or growing any value uh, during the offseason. So that was the big focus is to set my teams up. Uh, so they're maximized in terms of players that could potentially pop over the next couple months. Uh, and then I'll start going back through and looking at my rosters uh, probably after the, the Super Bowl and see what types of move I can make uh, heading into you know combine and draft season. Would, would you kind of describe it as look at your roster right now, find the dead weight and get it out, thin the herd? 
Yeah, exactly. And especially if you have leagues where you have some sort of waiver wire that runs throughout the season. I mean, I commission 10 leagues myself, and I typically leave the waiver wire open uh, the entire year. So in those leagues, I'm, I'm not as apt to go through and drop some of that dead weight or you know weight that I think players are not going to hold any sort of value into the offseason. Uh, so there's a little bit more leeway there. But a lot of leagues, you know, they close shop. Uh, from the end of the fantasy playoffs all the way until rookie draft time. So, you know, you hate looking at your teams when you're going through them in, in March and April, and you see, you know, that third, fourth string tight end that you are rostering that, you know, really may not even be on a team next year. Definitely not worth a, a dynasty roster spot, uh, but you may have been using them. So those kind of players I've tried to already clean out. Uh, I do try to go in and, and maybe look for players that I think are being disrespected because of some recency bias. Those are the only types of buys that I'll try to make. Uh, But other than that, I'm really just trying to assess each roster and determine, you know, what am I going to need going into draft season uh, and then start taking a look at trades here in the, you know, the next month or so. I I want to get your opinion on something that's kind of the opposite. And you too, Ryan, I've been meaning to ask you this for a while is my two worst teams are the true rebuilds. They're super young I have tons of picks for this year and going forward. In typical rebuild fashion, I have a lot of young guys that I like, but I'm not putting up fantasy points yet. But I'm finding that when I look at those now, I, I am so hurting for roster space. I have nobody I can cut. I have, I'm not close to being able to get under the number to get my picks in. And the whole world knows it. I mean, I, I'm trying to, I'm put, making posts like two of mine for one of yours, three of mine for one of yours, and nobody's biting. Yeah, Ryan, you want to take that? Because I have some thoughts uh, more towards FFPC because that's a totally different format that's kind of similar to what you're Mm -hmm. talking about where the rosters do cut down and, you know, those happen to cut down to like 16 spots in the offseason. But even if it's, you know, 20 or 22, you know, you are facing that dilemma to where I bet you all your other owners in your league know that you need to make cuts. So so they're not going to be jumping at all to make any sort of deal that helps you out in that regard and gives you something that, you know, can help you going forward value wise. So it's almost like you're going to have to, you're going to have to take a loss somewhere to pull off that type of move. So really I think it's just knowing the format and trying not to get yourself stuck in that spot. Yeah, that's definitely one of the, uh, one of the downsides, I guess, of rebuilding a dynasty team and, and really just, killing that roster starting from scratch is that you end up in the situation that Matt described there with lots of picks. If you're doing it right, uh, lots of young high upside talent. And then where do you go? Then you have to start making the two for ones or, or, or really just making some tough decisions. I guess the only thing I would say, Matt is going back to Scott's original point is don't panic. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is, this is the middle of January right now. We have, weeks and weeks, months even before rookie drafts or before the, that final roster has to be, uh, has to be set. So you've got some time, all those picks that you have are going to gain value. So if the moves I would uh, ultimately probably try to make are packaging a pick and a player to move up. Um, I think that's, that's probably your best case. Um, or, or if you have, if you have some of these, these players that are going to be going to be gaining value just based on hype, um, those are guys you could potentially sell or, or package together for uh, for an upgrade. So you, you've got some time, and, and it sounds like you have some good options with a lot of pieces that are going to be desirable. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think the key is there, don't panic. Don't make moves in January for your, you know, to set yourself up for the rookie draft. Right, right. 
Scott, we've talked about it. You've mentioned it a little bit already. We are going to be talking about some buys and sells. Matt and I talked about that last week on our listener question episode. We got tons of questions, and it felt like half of them were, who are you buying? Who are you selling as we get into the offseason? That's a big question because, as you mentioned, people, uh, dynasty players, do want to start trading again. Maybe if the if the trade deadline hit and you haven't you haven't pulled off a trade in six weeks, you've got that itch and you want to start tinkering and making your roster better. I definitely heed your advice. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm not one that's making any uh, any trade offers yet. I really want to take some time to analyze my roster and and of course look at some needs I have. Look at the draft capital I do have and and start thinking about how I could improve my team. But I'm I'm not out there making deals yet. There are a lot of people that are, though. So because of that, we're talking buys and sells today. At this early point in the offseason, how are you even identifying buys and sells? You talked about not wanting to factor that recency bias in too much. But obviously, we have to take the the information that the 2019 season just gave us um, and then at the same time try to balance that with how we see things playing out in 2020 and beyond. What's that process like for you? That's a good question because I think it, it can come from many different a- angles, and I try to I try to have a very organic process when I'm looking at this. I try to take you know not only like our ADP at DLF, but I also try to stay in tune with Twitter polls, uh, see what people are saying out there, kind of just get a feel where the market is on a lot of different players, and then identify players that I've liked where I think there could be an opportunity for their situation to get better or for their value to go up. I think one of the mistakes that people make when they're trying to find buys and sells is they immediately look at what stats did a player put up last year and try to determine, you know, is that player going to be repeating that or have a chance to repeat it next year? And then they determine whether they want to buy or sell based on that. I think you have to look at more of I'm buying a player not for the stats they're going to put up next year, but I'm buying a player for what's their value going to do. So you'll notice later on in my list, you know, a lot of my players that I want to buy are guys that I think there's going to be some sort of movement or there's going to be some sort of window where if they don't fit on my team, uh, if they're a rebuild, like Matt said, uh, there's a chance that I can move them for a higher value later on in the season. I'm willing to buy those players even if they never see my lineup next year. So I think that that's the thing that you have to pay attention to. You have to pay attention to who's going to be a free agent, uh, what rosters are going to have some turnover, where there's different coordinators that come in, different coaches that come in. Uh, so there's a lot of things that go into it. And then more importantly, just what are people doing out there? You know, there's guys I really, really like that their values just exploded. So, you know, it's to the point where I think last year we talked about Chris Godwin and he ended up having a great season, but, you know, where his price was, uh, essentially it gets to a point where how much higher can it go? So there's some guys like that that I'll be willing to sell uh, for certain prices, obviously, uh, but they're still on my sell list because just their value so high at this point. A huge part of my process along those lines, which I think plays to my strengths as an analyst, are... I try to think like 32 GMs think in that are they going to be in the market for a running back this offseason? Are they happy with what they have? You know, the Vikings have a defensive-minded head coach. I bet they go and attack the corner market. So maybe there'll be less competition at the skill position players. You know, things like that. That is this team going to be buying? Are they going to be selling? Are they in it to win it? Are they rebuilding? I try to think like each of the teams would think. And I think you made a great point there, Scott talking about some of the players that you're going to point out today as as potential buys or sells as maybe having a value gain or a value loss coming 
in this uh, in this upcoming few months. I think one thing that hurts dynasty players, and I know I've been guilty of this myself, is thinking of every individual move as if it is permanent. Uh, thinking of a trade I might make as, oh, I don't want to get stuck with this player for forever. And if you if you go back to you know go into your your dynasty league on MFL, go up to that my leagues button and click back three or four years. Look at your roster then compared to what it is now, and, and maybe you have a handful of the same players. But we're all turning our roster over so much through trades, through waivers, through the rookie draft and and drops that we have to make. These these moves that you make are not going to last forever. So th- thinking of it as that stock market mentality, kind of what you're mentioning there. And, and trying to buy low and, and sell high, hopefully. I think that's that's a more reasonable way to attack it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you from that standpoint that, you know, it's like a stock market. It, it really isn't, I'm not even thinking about setting a lineup. I'm literally looking at what can I gain on my roster value-wise now that I could potentially get more for later. I mean, it's that simple. I'm not even thinking about, you know, setting a lineup or who's going to score the most points next year. I think that's too far off to even worry about. Scott, this time of year when we're all putting together these buys and buy and sell list, it, it seems like the the disappointing rookies are always on that list. And sometimes they might be buys, sometimes they might be might be sells, depending on depending on the the player, depending on how the specific dynasty owner wants to attack things. We've got a bunch of them this year, including several players that were first round rookie picks just a few months ago: Nikhil Harry, Paris Campbell, JJ Arcega Whiteside. Uh, one of my favorites was Damian Harris, and and he, you know, he barely saw the field. Really, all of those guys barely saw the field for different reasons. So when we've seen so little of these young players, especially players that had this this high dynasty value just a few months ago, how do you evaluate their trade value? Are you typically trying to buy low on those players? Are you trying to sell while they still have some name value, or does it just come down to individual? situations. Well, it's interesting because you put on here Paris Campbell, J.J. Arcego by side, and I think another one you could throw in this group is Andy Isabella. I mean, those are three guys that were all going mm-hmm. late first to, you know, early to mid second last year in rookie drafts. And all of them had situations this year where you would have identified that there's ample opportunity uh, for them to have, have some impact. And none of them really did. And so I think that has depressed their value enough to where I think they're they're okay speculative buys right now, but we got a little bit spoiled with you know the last couple years with the rookie receivers and the second year receivers you know really breaking out and really gr- growing in value uh, so quickly. So it's easy to to leave these guys behind and say, well, I'm not really into buying them, uh, especially because you know probably the the Paris Campbell owner or the the J Jaw owner. They're on teams with somebody that believed in them. You know, they probably chose them. If you remember last year, you know, there were seven or eight wide receivers in that same tier. And so unless you were just the the one that took one at the very end, you probably preferred those guys over a couple others. So inherently, you probably like those players enough to where, you know, you're not going to sell, you know, J-Jaw at his current price. I mean, it's probably mid to late third rounder, I would say. I mean, and that's, that's somebody that... You know, I, I doubt you're going to be able to pull that price off. Someone's going to probably want a little bit more. They might as well hold for that price. Um, I think with, with someone like Nikhil Harry, you mentioned him, and unfortunately with him, you know, he's our, he's still valued at a point where I don't really think you're getting much of a deal uh, if you're buying him. You know, just for instance, what type of draft pick would it take to acquire Nikhil Harry? 
I'd almost rather have the receiver in this class that I can get at the same pick. So that's not a player that I'm looking to buy. Uh, I'd buy the other ones. I'd maybe throw an offer out there, uh, you know, in a month or so to see where the other owner's at. Uh, but I think these guys are a lot easier or a lot harder to buy uh, in theory because the owners are truthers on them that, that have them on their rosters. So it's not like you can just say, well, they didn't have a good season, uh, sell them to me low because it's, it's usually a little bit harder to pry them away. Ryan, to that point, do those guys, Harry Campbell, you know, Harris, I know you're very high on, are, are, is their startup value much lower now than it was a year ago or eight months ago? So it's really interesting. I, I've done a study, it's been years ago now, of comparing preseason value to postseason value, basically, of, of rookies. And, and what I found then was that virtually every rookie either maintained or even saw their value increase according to ADP. And we're seeing that again this year. And it's, it's surprising when you look at guys, some of these, some of these players we're mentioning, but what happens is their initial ADP is so low because, um, and and again, we're using our mock draft data, but when they're first in the system, sometimes even before the NFL draft, depending on when your league is, is starting, Dynasty players simply aren't willing to take a chance on them. They're not drafting them in the in the fifth or sixth round. They're waiting almost until the double digit rounds to grab these guys. So that that initial ADP is is so low it it spikes during the NFL draft and, and kind of hangs there during the regular or during the uh, off season. And then when the regular season comes along, that's when we see the value loss. Now that we're back to the off season, those young players are are players that we want to buy low, like Scott said, or that we, we actually see increasing in value because now we're just thinking, uh, you know, all, all rainbows and sunshine that everything's Mm going to go well for these young players. And we know that's, that's not always the case, but essentially what I'm saying is off season, the value is high in season. The value is, is low for many of them, obviously the ones that are struggling. So if you wanted to buy Harry Campbell or Sega Whiteside, Harris, Isabella, the best time was to do it was probably a month ago or maybe right before the trade deadline. What we're going to see with most of those guys through the offseason is a steady value increase, I would think. That adds up. And one thing I wanted to add real quick is I went through and I, I, I had a podcast a, a couple episodes ago and I just talked about wide receivers. And, you know, our Sega Whiteside was one of those guys. He was one of the few that stood out in my model that – Essentially, he played 15 games during this fantasy season and never even posted a top 36 week once. And you would probably say he had a lot more opportunity uh, than other players just in terms of you know the snaps that he played and the potential reps that were available. So that was, that was a guy I think uh, a lot of people have basically just said they're entirely off on him. And then it, funny about Damian Harris, I think that's still a work in progress. I think he's simply somebody that just needs opportunity. He may never get it, but buying him, I think is still a decent speculative ad because basically you're just buying the chance that he gets opportunity. If he doesn't, then he's going to be a bust. Uh, But if he does, I don't think he's done anything to show that if he gets the opportunity, uh, he can't do anything with it. Kind of like Ronald Jones did in his second year. Yeah. Very good point. Uh, We're going to get to these, these buys and sells. I've got a few, you've got a few. I think Matt's got some, some unique thoughts on it as well. There's one more question I wanted to ask you though, Scott, because it it seems like I'm sure this happens every year, but it, it really feels like it's the case this year that some of these, some of these players have just increased in value so much. They're, they're basically the talk of, of dynasty leagues this season. And especially over the past month or so, 
I just want your general thoughts. Are you, are you, how are you attacking these players? Maybe it's the same because they're all big time hype guys, uh, or maybe it's an individual case. But let's let's start with Lamar Jackson. Uh, we know obviously know the story there. A historic season, um, one of the best quarterback seasons we've ever seen. What are you doing with him? Well, if we're talking about single quarterback leagues, it's hard for me not to throw a player out like Lamar Jackson coming off this type of season just to see you know, what type of price I can get. The, what you were able to get from a Holmes, for instance, last year, I mean, we're talking about potentially getting you know, a first-round startup skill player for a quarterback in a one-quarterback league. If I can do that all day, I'm willing to shop somebody like Lamar Jackson. In, in a super flex league, though, I think the quarterback landscape has completely flipped from 2019 to, or from before 2019 to now, uh, to where really there's a there's a top tier of six quarterbacks, and then after that it's a really really flat tier of everybody else. So I'm looking at a lot of my superflex rosters, and I'm looking at you know I want to get as many of those top six that I can, and that includes Lamar Jackson. So I think just going forward, even if he does regress, I think the floor that he gives you and the the advantage that he can give you at the quarterback position right now, I think he's still a buy in Superflex. I totally agree, and uh, I would even I would even extend that to one quarterback leagues in most cases, and we'll we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more soon. What about Derrick Henry? Uh, just has gone on obviously a torrid pace late in the season uh, and through the playoffs. I mean, we're we're already seeing people call him a top three dynasty back. I think that's going too far. I still have concerns uh, about his uh, usage in the passing game. I know that's become kind kind of a joke with as much as as much as he runs the ball and, and the yards that he's racking up. But I do think it's something we have to factor in, and we're not even sure what team he's going to play for next year. Are you selling Derrick Henry if you can get you know multiple first rounders or or maybe even the one hundred and one? Yeah, I think this is a process over production with Derrick Henry. I mean, he's going to be a free agent. He's most likely going to get paid probably by Tennessee, uh, but he's going to be 26 this year, and he's going to come off a season where he's going to end up with, you know, probably including the playoffs, 400 plus touches. I think regular season he had 321 touches in the regular season, uh, and then you add his playoff volume onto that, he's going to be close to 400. So I think that's that's a prime place to sell a running back and. You know, everyone knows that listens to my show. I'm very much sell, sell, sell on running backs, uh, even if they're coming off great seasons. Uh, it's always good to be early getting out on a running back, uh, especially one that's about to get a mega contract. We've seen how that's ended up for almost the last four or five running backs that have got mega contracts. Uh, they all seem to be worth less a year or two after they get that extension. So I think it's an easy sell on Derrick Henry. I think the the one issue with Derrick Henry is I I haven't seen – I mean, people certainly have given him more value now than it was before this year, but I don't think there's going to be a massive buy market for Derrick Henry where they're going to be paying, you know, top three or four running back prices for him. So we'll see if that happens, but I personally haven't seen those, you know, mega top three or four running back deals yet. And my hunch is Tannehill's not going to throw for 100 yards a game going forward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's bound to end, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very true. Uh, the last one is that I wanted to check in with you about is, is a guy that feels like I talk about every podcast uh, and you hear about him everywhere right now. A.J. Brown, of course, Derrick Henry's teammate. 
Henry's taken over the playoffs and AJ Brown has slowed down a little bit, but he definitely had the hype going into the season. We just finished our ADP over at DLF for the month of January. And he ended up as the wide receiver 11 in that ADP. I think that really took some people by, uh, by surprise. What are your thoughts on his current value? Yeah, A.J. Brown's value probably exploded more than almost anybody's that I've seen over the last couple of years. And so I'm seeing deals where, you know, you're able to get Juju Smith-Schuster plus for him or Amari Cooper plus for him or Mike Evans plus for him. I mean, that that's the type of deal that you potentially could wow. swing on somebody uh, that's looking to buy A.J. Brown. So, I mean, it's not – you may not be able to get the deal, but I think it's uh, in the realm of possibility that you could get a deal like that. So I think you have to sell, uh, I, you know, just based on the – the data just from this year, you know, I look at it as if if I don't project someone like AJ Brown to ever be in a, a place where he can get 160, 170 targets, I think the wide receivers are just it's it, they're too inelastic in terms of their production. I think it's too too volatile from year to year to ever you know consider not cashing out. When uh, just did a startup the other day and he went as the wide receiver five overall ahead of all those guys that I talked about and others. Wow. And so there are people out there that, you know, they are higher on him than even someone like DJ Moore or someone like Chris Godwin. I mean, they're almost in the same tier, but there's people that prefer him over those guys. So I think you just have to shop him. doesn't mean you sell him, uh, but there's potentially for that mega deal to be out there. So I think you got to shop him unless you can ever project him to, you know, get that 160, 170 targets. That, that's truly when you get into that range where you're pretty locked in for a wide receiver one every year. Ryan, AJ or Juju? You know my answer. I'm, <laughs> I, I might be stubborn, but I'm, I'm sticking with Juju for now. Um, folks, I want to tell you guys about Harry's. And it's the middle of January, but I bet a lot of you are still stuck to your New Year's resolution. And I'm sure if you're doing it right, a lot of New Year's resolutions revolve around managing your personal finances and or taking better care of yourself. And Harry's factors in in both ways, honestly. And razors can be really expensive, but Harry's are only two bucks a cartridge, so it saves you money all year long. And, you know, as long as you're going to use them, which, why would you stop? So if you take better care of yourself, Harry's makes award-winning razors along with a whole range of grooming essentials to keep your 2020 routine in top shape. And I've told you guys many times, my face is much happier when, since I switched to Harry's, I get a much better shave. I get no, zero, you know, problems with the shave where I used to with, with blades before. So Harry's wants you to continue with the kicking the new year off right. New customers of our new customers of theirs get five dollars off a Harry's trial set when you go to Harry's.com/dynasties. Uh, Harry's knows a great shave doesn't come from flex balls or heated handles or any of that nonsense. Harry's is a return to the essential, quality craftsmanship at a fair price, and here's how they do it. Harry's team combined a simple ergonomic design with five sharp blades, they source their steel from Sweden and manufacture their blades in a world-class factory in Germany, and Harry's cuts out the middleman and ships directly to you, saving you money and time. Of course, they have a 100% quality guarantee. They stand behind the quality of their products. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. I doubt you'll have any problems with that. Harry's has a special offer for our listeners of our show. So listen up. New customers get $5 off a trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. You'll get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe that smells great, and a travel cover. Join the millions of dudes who've already switched and go to harrys.com slash dynasty to claim your offer. 
Scott, we've teased it enough. Let's get into some of these actual buys and sells. I can't wait to hear who you are buying in your dynasty leagues. Tell us the first player. The first one in is a running back. It's uh, RB24 in the latest ADP, and that is Kareem Hunt. And I think much of the appeal for Kareem Hunt stems from the fact that, you know, right now, as a rule, I don't buy running backs. So if people hear me say, oh, I want to buy this running back, they, they kind of want to tune in and figure out why. And so, you know, I look at Kareem Hunt as, you know, he is a player that, you know, he's right now, like I said, ADP 24 uh, in DLF. But I think that there's a, a lot of potential angles where his value could go up. We talked about earlier about how I'm targeting players where their values could go up. Uh, obviously, with Stefanski coming into Cleveland, you know, it's possible that they keep Kareem Hunt for one more year. Uh, and I do think he could still have, you know, some flex or better value with, you know, a really high ceiling handcuff going into next year. And then he's going to be a free agent after 2020. So I think he holds his value uh, even if he stays in Cleveland. But the more exciting route would be, you know, if he does end up going somewhere else. And with John Dorsey gone from the Browns, you know, that could be the sign that maybe Kareem Hunt moves on from Cleveland uh, earlier than expected. So he's a restricted free agent. Uh, someone could opt to sign him. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case, but we'll see. Uh, but I think he has a decent value floor where it's not going to completely tank, and he already showed at the end of last year uh, that he can still be someone that you can flex week to week, you know, even if he's on the same team as Nick Chubb. So I look at him as one of the few running backs to buy. Uh, and really, there's a lot of year four running backs that – we're not first-round picks, so guys like Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, all those guys are going to be unrestricted free agents after next year. So there is you know, some risk uh, that they end up potentially holding out. I think a couple of those guys could consider holding out, and that's a little bit of a risk there. Uh, but also going into you know the new CBA, you, you really never know how running backs are going to be treated under the next CBA. So I think there's a lot of risk with a ton of running backs. Uh, so unless I'm getting a good deal on one of those really high-end ones, uh, I'm looking to kind of shop in this discount range, and I think Kareem Hunt's a great value right now. I think that's a great call. I mean, Dorsey's been linked to him back to Kansas City. Dorsey takes shortcuts on poor character guys or off-the-field behavior. I don't think the Browns will continue to do that. I would really be shocked if he's back, which is exactly what you want. And his tape is great. He looks really, really good. And fresh legs. Yeah, Scott, you talked about the ADP there. He is RB24, and looking at some of the backs ahead of him, I don't think it's even close. I mean, Darius Geis at RB23, James Conner at 21, even Le'Veon Bell at, at running back 19. I want Hunt over those players for sure, uh, and, and we could probably even take him even higher. He's the kind of guy you, you've got to buy now because as soon as he signs that contract, even even as soon as we start hearing rumors or, or he's taking visits, his value is going to uh, going to spike very quickly. Yeah, I wonder if uh, there, there's an outside chance that he may end up back in Kansas City. I wonder if that's, a, if that's potential. Wow. How about Tampa? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the great thing with, with guys like that. I'm going to talk about one of them in a moment. There's so many, so many juicy landing spots that would uh, help a, a running back in that range increase his value. I've got a couple I want to hear your thoughts on as well, Scott. The first one is Kyler Murray. You, you talked about the idea of uh, the quarterback value kind of changing. We've handed at that a little bit here on the show in the past few weeks, and I think that's exactly the case. 
it seems like ever since we've been doing this show, we've talked about quarterback value and how deep the position is and, um, you know, waiting on the position or trading for these veterans that we can plug into our lineup every week. And those veterans are, are, are slowly fa- fading away. Um, you, you just can't trust. You certainly can't trust Philip Rivers anymore uh, and or Tom Brady. You know, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, we'll see how long those guys can continue to be uh, fantasy relevant. But when you look at when you look at the rankings or the ADP, it it certainly does fall off very quickly, as you suggested. Mahomes, Jackson, Watson, Kyler Murray is quarterback four right now. So it's going to be tough to buy Mahomes, Jackson or Watson, I think, in in any format, one quarterback or super flex. So I almost feel like Kyler Murray is kind of the discount on those guys right now. He's his ADP is over two rounds uh, lower than Deshaun Watson. So I feel like, you know, maybe maybe he's on that Jackson path that he can take that next step. And we can't project any quarterback or any player to have the the type of season Jackson just had. But Murray certainly has he has that ability and that upside at some point to be a, a major impact quarterback. He, he was a quarterback one quarter uh, in his rookie season, quarterback eight overall. And we know that's certainly rare for rookies uh, looking at a couple of trades uh, recently that I found in the DLF trade finder, Kyler Murray for DJ Chark, I think is the slam dunk. I'm taking the, the quarterback there. And then another one I think is even easier to make Murray and OJ Howard for Chris Carson. Those are just a couple of, couple of examples that have happened in the past month that I think are uh, easy deals to acquire Kyler Murray. Scott, what are your thoughts? You've said you don't really buy running backs. What about quarterbacks, especially relatively expensive quarterbacks like, like Kyler? Well, like you talked about, and like I said before, you know, the, the quarterback market has really, really leveled off after the top six. So again, if I can get any of those guys, I'm willing to pay uh, the current market price. And, and if you look at, you know, you look at the others in that tier, Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson are the other two that I consider to be in that tier other than the, you know, the Jackson, Watson, and Mahomes, like you mentioned. But I think there's a little more upside with, with Kyler Murray. I think he has the potential to give you a little bit more consistency uh, on the ground. And if you just look at, you know, he finished quarterback eight last last year in points per game and quarterback eight uh, in points overall. And you look at that with what he had to work with. I mean, essentially, you know, he had Christian Kirk for most of the year uh, and then obviously Larry Fitzgerald. But, you know, they really didn't run that offense that they had projected to run uh, from the get-go. They, they found out that their receivers were not nearly good enough to run the four wide receiver sets that they wanted to. So I can't see a way that they don't bring in you know, I'd love to see them bring in somebody like C.D. Lamb, who was there with Kyler Murray in college. You know, something like that could really boost him in terms of his, you know, his passing game. Uh, so I think he has the chance to get up into that you know, Deshaun Watson range. I don't think he ever has a chance to have a season like Lamar did this year. Uh, but I've gotten some offers actually where I have Kyler Murray. Uh, the Lamar Jackson owner has come to me uh, trying to swap out Lamar Jackson for Kyler Murray and have me give a significant piece on top of it. So it's out there. People are trying to be savvy if they're looking to pivot off, you know, one of those top two or three quarterbacks. I think Kyler Murray's absolutely the uh, the number one target there. Ryan, I think that's a great one. But what if you have to go a little more bargain bin shopping, a, a Darnold, a Baker, somebody whose stock's a little down that you could get a little cheaper I mean, Daniel Jones, I mean, oh, yeah. some a couple of these young guys 
are going to hit. Yeah, certainly. And, and there's always uh, there's always going to be those cheaper options that make some sense. Uh, I, you know, he, he gets enough hate, but I always think Jameis Winston is undervalued. Um, oh, so yeah. I, I would be looking at him, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I, I talked about the Lamar Jackson path for Kyler Murray. You know, there's there's certainly a chance he could be on the Baker Mayfield path, and maybe he loses value. I, I don't think that happens, but we didn't think it would happen with Baker either. So uh, I would take a chance on Mayfield at this point for sure. Really, any of those quarterbacks that we saw a major value loss, those are guys I would want to buy. That would include uh, Cam Newton as well. He's another one, especially with – uh, with the recent news in Carolina, I still think he's staying in Carolina. I love the the coaching moves they've made there, and the other quarterback I'm buying doesn't fit any of this. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick, and maybe maybe I'm just buying into to Fitzmania a little too much. But you look at him and you think he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league. And whether it's with Miami or, or maybe he somehow moves on, I know he's under contract next year, but. Uh, they'll they'll be adding a rookie we would we would assume he's going to start somewhere and and I think he's just going to keep doing this uh at least for a couple more years and and he's certainly very cheap maybe even on the waiver wire depending on your league size I think they end up with Tua too and he may not start for quite a while right yeah that that's that's kind of the popular uh idea from a lot of early mock drafts is that they take Tua they stick with uh, stick with Fitzpatrick as their starter uh, for most of next season. So that, that works as well. Scott, who's your next player that you would be buying? Next one is probably one of the most polarizing and, quite frankly, probably one of the most hated players in Dynasty over the last couple of years, and it's uh, Eric Ebron. Uh, this guy pretty much gets no respect. I think mo- if you just do a Twitter search on Eric Ebron, most of the comments you're going to get uh, are negative, and that that's been the case on him for basically other than the year that he blew up in in 2018. Everything else that you hear about him is mostly negative, and so you know, I, I that poor guy got drafted before Aaron Donald and Odell Beckham, and he was doomed ever since. He he did, and that that's exactly the point. Is you look at Eric Ebron's profile? I mean, this guy was drafted, and he was significantly playing for the Lions at age 21. And a lot of tight ends are not even in the NFL at 21, let alone you know actually producing on the field. And he wasn't the number one tight end in his rookie year. Uh, but if you look at his seasons after that, you know his second year, uh, he posted 131 PPR points, which would have been 13th last year. His third year, he would have been tight end 11 last year. In his fourth year, he would have been tight end 13. So that's essentially years two, three, and four. He would have been a top 13 tight end all three of those years. Uh, if you look at what what happened in 2019, but but he gets hated in terms of you know everyone thinks he only had that one big year with Andrew Luck. So even if you dismiss you know last season or excuse me this season uh, where basically Andrew Luck retiring uh, really spelled doom on his season even before his injury, you know this guy is still you know he's still only going to be 27 years old, and he's he is one of the most productive tight ends through six seasons in NFL history. Uh, yet he comes in at tight end 28 in ADP. So I look at him as a, an unrestricted free agent. He's probably going to be somewhere else. Uh, I can I can see his value jumping up just simply because he signed somewhere uh, with a little bit of hype. I've always been a big fan because I think he's a lot better of a player than he's ever been valued. Uh, but I think there's been an overcorrection on him. A lot of people don't like him. Uh, they think he's bad probably because he does have you know tendency of dropping balls. 
Um, but I can see a lot of uh, landing spots for him that could potentially jump his value up. I mean, I could see him in Dallas with Mike McCarthy. Uh, I don't know your opinion on this, Matt, but I could see him potentially going to, to Pittsburgh if they don't bring back Vance McDonald uh, or somewhere like Cincinnati if they don't bring back Tyler Eifert. I think there's a lot of places uh, where he could kind of end up being that you know, late 20s, early 30s Jimmy Graham where he has a lot of touchdown potential. Uh, never going to be a huge yards after the catch guy, I don't think, later in his career. Uh, but definitely someone that can move up from his current value. Yeah, you make a strong point. I saw that one on your list, and I'm like, ah, I'm not buying <laughs> that. But I don't think he'll be a stealer because they want two-way tight ends. But I don't. I do think Ebron really isn't that much different than Jared Cook or Waller. You know, I mean, he goes to the uh, the Saints or Raiders. I mean, I know those aren't the teams he's going to go to, but the right team that's going to use him as a vertical guy, he, he might be very fantasy relevant. Well, and you see, you know, you look at some players on the, the ADP that are going higher than him. I mean, Will Disley, tight end 21. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to take that risk uh, coming off right. an, another massive injury. Uh, another one, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, I don't see the upside with someone like Kyle Rudolph ever being what it could uh, be with Eric Ebron. Yeah. I mean, so those are the type of, of shots that people are taking ahead of him, and I, I just don't really see it. So I think he's just he's just undervalued, and even if you don't want him, uh, I think I could see his value gain as soon as he signs somewhere else. Washington, New England. I mean, there's a lot of spots that would really boost him. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned Ebron, tight end 28. One year ago, January of 2019, he was the tight end 7 in ADP. Yep. So that's another one of those guys who lost value that we probably should be uh, taking a shot on, as you suggested. Uh, let's go ahead and and hear your third one as well. Uh, Scott, I want to make sure we get all of all of your buys and sells in. Yeah, my third one is uh, Robbie Anderson. Uh, again, a, another theme, a guy that could potentially be on the move. Uh, wide receiver 45 right now in ADP, and he is an unrestricted free agent. It uh, doesn't look like he's probably going to go back to the Jets, and I think one of the narratives that has really kind of buzzed this a little bit on Robbie Anderson over the last couple weeks is just what we've seen from Kenyon Drake and Devontae Parker and Ryan Tannehill and even Mike Gusecki. You know, all those guys uh, really blew up in terms of fantasy points after they left uh, Adam Gase. And so I think people are starting to write the same narrative uh, for Robbie Anderson. And, you know, I look back and, you know, Robbie Anderson did have a, a wide receiver 18 finish. And, you know, I think he could be somebody that the, the, the major landing spot that I think could be great for him uh, would be he has that connection to Matt Rule. Uh, going back to Temple. And with Joe Brady getting hired in Carolina, I mean, I can just see him landing there uh, and being a big piece of that offense. So that's one I'm keeping an eye on, but doesn't look like he's going back to the Jets, which, in my opinion, that's a good thing for his value. I think he's a really good player, and a thing that hurt him drastically was the Jets can't protect, so it's hard yep. to go deep. And, I mean, what about, like, Arizona? I mean, there's a yep. lot of good spots he could land. Philadelphia is another one that I've heard that potentially could be looking at him. So yeah, there's oh, a yeah. there's a lot of uh you know, and, and he faced a lot of tough matchups early in the season and then Darnold got hurt. Uh he had two other games where he faced the Patriots. So it really was just a a lot of angles where you could say it was a down season for him. So I think wide receiver forty five is a steal for him and I could see him, you know, being someone that jumps up into the thirties once he goes somewhere else. Green Bay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. New Orleans. All right, Scott, we're, we're going to move on now. Great stuff on those guys. Uh, I want to hear some of your sells, though, uh, before we run out of time tonight. Tell us your first player you would be selling in your dynasty league. 
Yeah, so quickly on the sells, it's uh, first one is Josh Jacobs, uh, running back 10 in ADP. And people will probably wonder, you know, I've talked all about this the safe and secure running backs that, you know, are locked into their role, still on a rookie contract. You know, those are typically some of the things I'm looking for uh, with a running back. But, you know, I think with Jacobs, you look at his RB10 price, and I look at his rookie season, and, you know, he only had 27 targets. He played 13 games. He only had 27 targets. And I don't think it's quite as extreme as like Sony Michelle 2018, uh, but I kind of look at at Jacobs very similarly to you know where Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon were at, and I don't think he's nearly as talented as either of those players. Uh, but I think their rookie seasons were very similar. I believe Nick Chubb had 29 targets in his rookie year, and Joe Mixon had 34. So even if you know his targets increase just a little bit, you know I see him at running back 10 right now, and. You know, the highest that Chubb and Mixon ever got was like RB5, RB6. So I don't think there's a lot of room to grow for Jacobs. And so I'm looking for a deal where I could potentially, you know, trade him for one of the elite running backs in this class. You know, I'd be willing to do something like that. Uh, Or I would be willing to, you know, trade him for a guy like Mixon or a guy like Nick Chubb because I think those guys are better uh, and have a higher ceiling. And then, you know, other deals I'd be looking to make for him would be, I just made a deal the other day where I traded Josh Jacobs in the 212 for Miles Sanders in the 106. And so I look, I look, at, I look at it as I'm getting, you know, potentially an equivalent running back in terms of value, but one that I think maybe has a higher PPR ceiling uh, and definitely the increase in the pick. So I, not that I don't like Jacobs, but I just think he has a ceiling. I don't see him ever being a top five running back. So at that point, RB10, I think he's worth exploring to sell. Yeah, I, hmm. I love the Sanders, I love the Sanders deal. deal as well. I mean, I, I would rather have Sanders uh, straight up than Jacobs. So I think that's a, a a couple of big upgrades for you there. Love that deal, and, and I love the analysis as well. We, we talked about Derrick Henry earlier and how he kind of gets dinged or at least gets gets a little hate for his lack of involvement in the passing game. It's going to be the same thing for Jacobs. We just it we just haven't talked about it as much uh, because he just just wrapped up his first year. I'm totally on board with the Jacobs pick. I'm not sure I'm going to be on board with your next pick. Let's hear it though. <laughs> yeah, my next pick is uh, selling Tyreek Hill, oh, and oh, it hurts. It, it hurts, Scott. It, <laughs> well, it, it, hear me out on this one. I think that you know, don't get me wrong. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL, but he's also been one of the most debated players in Dynasty uh, over the last year. And his value has literally come full circle. I mean, there, there's no doubt six months ago, owners of Tyreek Hill were panicking that they, they may have essentially lost an asset forever, that, that he's going to essentially go down to a zero. And so I just think we we soon forget that. And, you know, that's the elephant in the room is we're heading into the offseason. And there is a little bit of risk with Tyreek Hill, just given what happened last summer. And so, you know, I, I could argue that in a shallower league, I want that potential league or weekly winning upside with Tyreek Hill. Um, but I think if you're in a league where, you know, maybe you can start four receivers or more, I'm certainly willing to shop him for, you know, one of those guys we talked about earlier, like a Juju Smith-Schuster plus or a Mike Evans plus. I mean, I'm, I'm throwing those type of deals out there because in any given any given year, I could end up with the more productive receiver. Uh, but also I think the, the chance that the floor could drop out on Tyreek Hill, I mean, it's still there. So I, I'm just looking to sell him where I can, uh, but price is going to be still pretty high. He's still a locked-in top-five receiver, and he is a he is a weak winner. I mean, he can win you a week at any given time, but I don't think it's it, it's bad to say that yeah, I'm looking to shop him this offseason everywhere I have him. 
I kind of like it because, I mean, especially this time of year while they're still playing, could be in the Super Bowl. I mean, all eyes are on them. This is the best offense we've ever seen. You know, people will overvalue that a little. You don't have to squint too hard for him to turn into Antonio Brown or Josh Gordon. Yeah, that, that's oh, you guys. <laughs> you're, you're bringing me down here. <laughs> Do you want to babysit your kids? <laughs> It's a different conversation. Uh, no, I, I do think Scott makes a, a great point, and and that's that's the great thing about that tier of wide receivers. Whether whether you have them in the first tier, or the second tier, regardless, it, that's a deep group. When we're talking about Juju and Godwin and Evans and Amari Cooper, and and now we're getting other players entering that tier, like DJ Moore and and AJ Brown. There's just so many pivot options that if you are worried uh, about the the off-field issues, or, you know, if, if you simply don't want a guy with that type of history on your team, which I, under, I understand that point of view as well, uh, you've got plenty of choices for how you can pivot from Tyreek Hill. Scott, tell us your last sell. I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts about this guy because, honestly, he's a player I'm just not sure what to do with right now. Yeah, and uh, the last one is Tyler Higby, and l- like many dynasty owners, I honestly never saw Tyler Higby coming. Uh, I was completely blinded by the potential of Gerald Everett. You know, he was the one that I picked uh, out of that tight end group all last year. I had a ton of Gerald Everett shares, and I essentially had written Tyler Higby off as a guy that I really didn't even want on my roster. And there were even opportunities in a couple leagues where. I could have picked him up off of waivers, and I didn't do it. I mean, literally at the end of the year, I have zero Tyler Higby shares, and you know I'm in a ton of leagues. And so, you know, that was one that I missed on. But then you look a little bit deeper in his numbers, and, you know, after Brandon Cooks went down, uh, there was a a four-week span where Gerald Everett posted uh, three weeks where he scored 15 points or more in PPR leagues. So it looked like, you know, mid-season Gerald Everett had been, you know, a guy that had finally arrived. And then... You know, he ended up getting injured, and Tyler Higby crushed it in you know the fantasy playoffs for people. So I think that is kind of leading to his current value, which is tied in 14 in ADP. I think it's kind of leading to where his value has risen to at this point is that recency bias. You know, if you had Tyler Higby during the playoffs, uh, you probably did very well. So I just don't really look at, you know, I don't know what to do with him uh, going forward. I mean, Gerald Everett is a free agent after 2020. Uh, but I'm I'm just not really sure how they can sustain those two tight ends going forward, and so I'm still willing to bank against Higby and potentially sell him at his current price because I don't think it'll get really higher. And one thing I wanted to to add is that you know people people will say, well, he signed that contract with the Rams, so he's the guy that they chose over Gerald Everett. But we've seen that like Cameron Brait signed a big deal with the Buccaneers, and Kyle Rudolph signed a deal with the Vikings. I mean, just because they get a contract extension does not mean. Uh, that they're going to be fed the way that he was at the end of the year. So just a little bit of caution on Higby. That's why I'm selling. He is interesting. I do think they'll cut Brandon Cook, though, and play more 12 personnel. Um, Help the offensive line as well. I think people don't realize that Higby was a pretty good athlete coming out of school, though, too. Came out of a small school. But I'm with you. I mean, his production can't keep up. What are you doing with those Everett shares, though? Because I got a lot. Oh, I'm still holding Everett. I, I think he's still he showed that he he can hang in the league. I still think even if he doesn't stay with the Rams, uh, I still think I'm not going to give up a tight end with his profile, um, even well before his prime. You know, tight ends typically don't hit their prime until 26, 27. I mean, that's when they really have that age where you know they can emerge for fantasy. So I'll actually buy Everett 
Uh, but he's actually tight end 19, so it's not like you're getting a massive discount on him. So it it looks like one of those situations where you're just going to have to pick your lane and you know go with the one that you like because I I don't see if they both stay on the Rams that they can really ever gain from where they're at. Yeah, that that is true. And uh, I mean, you look at a, a year ago or even a few months ago, both of those guys were outside the top 25 or 30 dynasty tight ends. And somehow it, it just worked out perfectly that they both broke out and, and gained some big time value this year. <clears throat> Scott, before we wrap it up, I want to throw out some of mine. I, wanted, I, I definitely wanted to hear about your takes, but uh, any comments about a couple other players I would be buying? Austin Eckler is on my list. Michael Gallup is on my list. Both of those players could benefit from teammates leaving. Of course, we expect Melvin Gordon to leave the Chargers. Austin Eckler is also a free agent, but uh, but restricted, so I think he'll be sticking with the Chargers. Gallup. Same thing. I think Amari Cooper probably stays, but if he doesn't, we should see Gallup's value really spike. Any quick thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, I think with Eckler, uh, he's one of those guys that I've found that in my leagues, there's always an Eckler truther or two. Uh, So if he's already on the team uh, of that owner, it's probably tough to pry away. Uh, But I'd be looking at it, if you're running back needy, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to buying him because I do think he has a role going forward just just as a pass catcher, even if there's another running back wherever he lands up. uh, I think he has a role going forward. And I think if you're considering, you know, using a a later first round pick or early second round pick on a running back in this class where, you know, you're going to settle for you know, one of the, you know, one of the later tier running backs, someone like, you know, Benjamin or someone like that. I don't see why that pick couldn't be used to buy Austin Eckler now. Cause I think you have a decent floor with him going forward. I think he's a really good football player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of, one of the points you made there is exactly why, why I want to buy him. You, you think Melvin Gordon's going to leave. They're going to sign somebody or draft somebody. That's fine. I don't think that's really a threat to Eckler I think he still has a role uh, even if he's not viewed as the starting back some players I would sell we talked about the theme and in some of your buys my sales certainly have a theme Marlon Mack James Conner carry on Johnson all of these running backs that I'm not even sure if they're going to be the starter for their team in in 2021 I don't know if I want to go as far as saying next year but I'm not confident on any of those guys as long-term starters you mentioned it earlier both Mac and James Conner are entering the final year of their contract and Matt I'm sure you would vouch that the Steelers are not the Sell Steelers Connor. are not giving Conner a, a new contract I I, uh, I don't think we're going to see that happening anytime soon I think their second round pick might be a running back yeah, they don't have a first. All three of those players also uh, dealt with injuries uh, of various uh, levels throughout the season. And the crazy thing is they're still all being valued as top 20 dynasty running backs, according to that ADP. If you can get that price, sell now. Scott, you agree? Yeah, and I, I think the it's not that I don't like some of those players. I mean, you can add a bunch of others to that list as well, but there, there's just no urgency to buy a running back with that type of profile right now. Well, there's no reason to take the risk in January. I would much rather hold on to whatever I'm looking to buy them for, uh, wait for things to shake out. I'll pay a little bit more you know, in July or August when I have a lot more information in front of me about what their roles are potentially going to be. I just don't – it's more of just an overall theme of I don't really want to pay for any risky running backs. That can include Darius Geis in there. That can include Kenyon Drake in there. You know, I don't want to pay for any of these guys – right now uh, and I'll just wait for more information 
Carrion's the only one I have a little bit of an issue with because I think the Lions' offense is kind of a buy low. And putting my GM hat on, I think their their off season is going to be all about the defense. Mm. So I don't think there'll be changes there. I think that offense has a chance to be really good. His stock is low, but as you said, I don't even know if he's going to be the starter. I mean, there's shenanigans going on there too. Like <laughs> I don't love that. I don't trust that coaching staff to use that backfield right. Yeah, it, it it again has kind of been a theme of of the show from Scott. These these running backs are risky to invest in uh, unless you just find the the perfect one, like a Kareem Hunt, like an Austin Eckler, who we have seen produce. Yet their value is not is is not crazy. It's not out of proportion. In fact, compared to their production, they are values. That those are the guys to target, not these risky players that like we said, may not even have a job in a few months or a couple of years. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Tell our listeners where they can find you and your work. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me, uh, like you said earlier, uh, just hired at DLF last week. Uh, working on Congratulations, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm working on my first article, which is going to be is a big project that I didn't necessarily uh, think would it would take as much research as I'm putting into it right now, but I'm trying to determine... Uh, where I kind of want to go with it. But it's going to be looking at specifically tight end premium and uh, point per carry, like 0.25 per rush attempt uh, formats and just how they differ from, you know, your vanilla PPR league. So I'm going to kind of try to wrap up the research that I'm doing and put that in an article and uh, see where that goes. And then also I have a podcast I launched last summer and just kind of it's my weekly thoughts. I do some interviews. Uh, sometimes just get on there and just talk about what I'm doing, you know, in my dynasty life, how I'm managing, you know, a lot of the projects that I'm involved in. Uh, and that's the dynasty and chill podcast. So check that out on all podcast platforms. Yeah, that, that is very good. As I said, I've been binging it, uh, missed way too many podcasts during the season. I'm taking this time to catch up on some of my favorites and that is quickly becoming one of them. Thanks again, Scott, for joining us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more dynasty blueprint.